0: Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Boutosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God.
1: I was praying and it's just, let me tell you, it's been a rough day. Even the computer crashed for a moment. I mean, I had to call some prayer warriors to help me to go through tonight because everything seems to have a different outcome of what was going to happen today. So I just pray that you can see what God has for you and what I'm going to share. Maybe not all is for you, but, you know, I'm not going to bring no new revelation in here. We have an awesome pastor that is a great teacher. But what I share with you today, I just pray that there will be something you need that God will meet that need. Okay? Okay, and um, as I was praying, I mean, I know about this since uh, probably May, but I didn't have anything. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I just felt like God dropped something in my spirit. And I said, oh, great. I feel confident. I feel this is it, Lord. This is going to be great. Well, you know, pieces didn't come together. You try to glue the scriptures. But today, finally, I think, how many of you have gone to Wild Adventures? Now, some of you, you know that ride right, that they discontinued the cheetah ride. was real bumpy, right? That's how I feel tonight, so I just want you to know that I feel real bumpy, a bumpy ride tonight. But we're going to do it, and God's going to get the glory, okay? Okay, I've been thinking, you know, and I found this scripture in Matthew chapter 9, uh, verse 37 and 38. Uh, And I tend to talk fast, so if you need me to slow, you just politely raise the hand, and I won't say that you told me. Okay, it says... In here, Jesus is talking, and he says that he said unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into this harvest. I like what it says when in the Amplify. It says, So pray to the Lord of the harvest to force out and thrust labors into his harvest. I think if we can say one thing of our church is that we are in a harvest time. Souls. Oh, my gosh. This past Sunday, if you weren't here, we have souls come, and we have somebody came, and they wanted not only to get born again, but they wanted to be filled with the Spirit. So we're seeing a harvest time. I am the harvest of somebody. Somebody pray me into this place. You are the harvest of somebody. Somebody pray for you. But then look how it reads in here. And I love it. In John, Jesus said unto the disciples, my meat, uh, well, let me go back and let you know. He was here. He had talked to the woman of the well. The disciples have gone, been gone. And then they came back and they saw him and they're just, you know, wondering what's going on. And Jesus says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Yeah, I don't have a separate agenda. I know what I'm called here to do, what I'm supposed to be doing. But he says, say not, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look at the doors, look at the outside tent, is what he's telling us tonight. Oh, look out there in that tent, and look on the fields. He says, for they're white already for harvest, and he that reapeth receiveth wages, right? And gathers fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And hearing is that saying true, one soweth, another reapeth. I send you to reap that where you bestow no labor. Other men labor and you are entered into their labors. But look how the passion reads. He says, as the crowds emerge from the village, Jesus says to his disciples, and I'm sorry, but I am really excited when I read. I just, he says, Why will you say the harvest is another four months? I mind mean, Jesus just saying that. Why are you gonna say the harvest is gonna come in, in in four months? He says, Look at all the people coming. We see all the people coming on Sunday. He says, Look at all the people coming. Now it's harvest time. For the hearts are like vast fields of ripe grain, ready for a spiritual harvest. The time is now. And then again, in that verse 38, I have sent you to harvest a field that you haven't planted. You didn't labor anything in that field. When you come, when I come here sometimes, I might not labor anything for somebody I lead to the Lord. He says, you have not li- labor." Uh, I'm sorry, I have sent you out to harvest a field that you haven't planned, where many others have labored long and hard. And I'm not saying that's a bad word, the word, W-O-R-K, word. Some have labored long and hard before you, and now you are privileged to profit from their labors and reap the harvest. I want to look just a few words in here. Because when Jesus says, lift up your eyes and look, he's not saying, just look, you know, go ahead and just look. No, that word look means intensely. Pay attention to what you're looking. Don't be quick to look and just glance around. No, he says, look closely. He says, by implication, it means to perceive. God wants us to know, to understand what is going on in this harvest time. You've got to know. Then He says in here, in the verse 38, I sent you. The word sent means set you apart. And if you are here tonight, you're one of those set apart. Because I pray, Lord, if they don't need to be there, please keep them home. They can find something to do. You know, whoever don't need it, they can go home. So you are one of those sent from here. Then he says, you have bestowed, that word bestowed, labor, toil. You know, you didn't do anything for that. So, they said we, we have a lot of farmers, in our, and I am not a farmer. I can barely grow my little plants at home. But they said harvesting is the hardest time because there's a specific time they have to harvest or the crop, or they will lose the crop. So there's that specific time. And once they start, because when you, the fall comes in here, you will notice our farmers are not nowhere around. They're gone. And it's not that they're backsliding. they're working, okay? It says that they work 80, at least 80 hours a week. I went and looked. It's about 18 hours a day, okay? And they work from sunrise, to the sun is really, really down, gone. There's no sun, okay? Now, it says that there's four seasons. We have the spring, okay? And it says that the spring is when they plant their seeds. Then it goes into the summer. And this, if anybody is a farmer, you can correct me. I just Google that information because I'm not a farmer. I repeat, I am not a farmer. Okay? Summer, the farmers monitor the crops for weed control, fertilizer needs, uh, or any other pest management. But then comes the fall. And the fall is when, you know, okay, let's watch out. If we pass one day, it might be that the crop is too ripe. If it's one day too soon, it might be too too green or whatever. Okay? So the fall is the most notable of the harvest season. The the farmers will harvest their crops, will either store store some for the sand, and some are going to be sold. The winter, well, not much is done in that time. It says that the machinery, the equipment, all the other important things are done. But in our church, we are right now in that fall time. Some have labor for years to Anchor Faith this year will be 10 years to be where we are today. And, and it's just amazing how we, we, we keep getting this harvest. But this is where my heart was. And this is what God placed in my heart. What are we going to do to maintain harvest to keep coming? Not to maintain those that are saved, which is great. We need discipleship. All those that come in, we got to disciple. We got to empower. We have to, you know, like Paul said, I travel till Christ be forming you. We got to keep working on those. But if I want to continue to see the harvest, it's not just, you know, I work with the altar team. And, uh, you know, we're very excited when we come up here. It's like, oh, gosh, come on, come on, come on. Nobody wants to get saved. Come on, come on, come on. You know, but what are we going to do for that? And then I started to look. Isaiah 59, 16, it says, and he saw that there was no man. I wonder that there was no intercessor. Hmm. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness sustained him. And this one was the one that, I, the first scripture that came to my mind when I was thinking on what to minister. And it is Ezekiel twenty-two thirty, And he says, and I sought for a man among you. And I believe God is still telling us that today. I am seeking for a man among you. He's not looking for an angel. He's not looking for nobody dead. He's looking for one of us. Born again Christian. Spirit-filled Christian too, by the way. It says, and I sought for a man among them, that he should make up the hedge and, in, and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy. He says, but I found none. And, and in this scripture, if you get to the whole uh, chapter, it's talking about he says, God is condemning the Israelites for their sins. He told them what's going to happen and, and the consequences and all that. but he was looking for somebody to stand in the gap. He was looking for an intercessor. In the gap in the gap, he says that if I stand in the gap is to expose oneself for the protection of something. And that's in the, in the Bible, it's in the Greek, I mean, in the Hebrew in the concordance. He says hedge, okay? He's looking for somebody to make a hedge. He says by implication is to make an enclosure, is to put that wall of protection. He was looking and there was none in that time. And if we want to harvest five years from now, three years from now, I might not, somebody's got to pray it in. It's nice to stand here and just, you know, do the altar call and, oh, let's see, somebody, whoa, whoa, whoa. But if we're not praying, if we're not interceding, we're not going to get anybody. It says in the verse 30, God is said to have sought someone to intercede on behalf of the people. I look for someone to stand in the gap. And God is still today looking for someone to stand in the gap, not just for myself. I know we all pray for ourselves, for our family, for our kids. God knows how much we pray for our kids. If you don't have kids, when you have one, you'll know how much we pray for our kids. We intercede day and night. But my gosh, can we intercede for somebody else's kid, for somebody else's grandson, somebody else's daughter? It is beyond us. It has to be. He says, he says, the only way we will do anything is through prayer. Okay, And this is where I kind of, when uh, last week, when uh, Audrey said, I'm speaking on prayer. It <laughs> that's the second time it happens. Not year last year, the year before when I was going to minister and somebody ministered the same topic. So we need it. Obviously, we need to talk about prayer. In Ephesians 6.18, it says, praying when? Praying always, always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching. They're unto, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I like the amplified. It says praying at all times, but then it says with all manner, with all manner of prayer. So there's more than one type of prayer. Can you put the types of prayer up? And this in here is a list of the different types of prayer. Okay? The all prayer, it's okay, i just go over. It says the prayer of faith. Okay? The prayer of faith, like in Matthew 21, he says, whoops, where are we? And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. That's the prayer of faith. I, as long as it lines up with the word of God, I can ask what I will, which is the next one in Mark eleven, twenty-four, 24, and it shall be done. So there are different types of prayer. We have the prayer of faith. We have the prayer of consecration. So I can't pray the prayer of consecration like I pray the prayer of faith. There are two types of prayer, different. The one on consecration is consecration and dedication of our lives for God's use, if it is your will. Luke twenty-two, forty-two. 42. It says, Jesus, he was saying, Father, if, this, if, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me, regardless, not my will, but thy will. If I believe God has called me into the ministry, Lord, I I consecrate, I accept the call. Now, you send me to all places except Africa. No, I mean, your will, not my will. See, I'm not going to put restraints. I'm going to say, Father, wherever you want me to go, but I don't know where it is, so that's the only time I use, if it's your will, you know, whatever your will is. But when I do the prayer of faith, no way, Jose. When I'm praying for the sick, no way I said it fits your will because I know what the Word of God says. Okay? Then we have the prayer of commitment. Casting your cares on the Lord in prayer. That's in 1 Peter 5, 7. Uh, we have the prayer of agreement. Whatever two of you shall agree as touching on earth, it's going to be granted of my Father which is in heaven. That's Matthew 18, 18 through 20. We have united prayer when we all come together, Acts 4, 23, 21, and intercessory prayer, which is what I'm going to try to kind of cover. But remember, each one has its rule. Like, you don't go play soccer the way you play football. You don't play football the way you play volleyball, because if you do that, your answer is going to be the same. Like I tell the kids, zero is a number. Zero. You're not going to get zero results, okay? Now. So let me move on. He says, God is looking for intercessor to stand in the gap. So what is an intercessor? Intercessor is somebody who stands for somebody else. He says, one who takes the place of another person, okay, or pleads another person's case. And who do you think is our greatest intercessor of all time? Jesus. Jesus is that bar that is very hard to reach, Uh, you know. I don't know whoever can reach it, but we tried. Jesus is the greatest intercessor. I'm gonna read you some scriptures. Romans 8:34. He says, Who is he that condemned? It is Christ that died. Yeah, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. He ever lives to make intercession. Okay? Hebrews 7:25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come that come unto God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession. Wow! I knew the scripture before I heard it. That's great. Good um, to know. Okay, First Timothy two five. He says, "For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, and that is the man Christ Jesus." Now. I was thinking about it. And it says in here, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. So if it is the man, Christ Jesus, when we're going to pray, I mean, can Jesus do something without us praying? Can something happen on the earth without us praying? We have to let him pray through us. So 2 Corinthians says, and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us what? The ministry of reconciliation. And I often used to think the ministry of reconciliation is to go talk to somebody and get them to the Lord, which it is. I mean, you are reconciling, you are bringing together. But when I went in the Greek, it says in here, restoration to favor. Okay, that's, well, it says exchange, then it says also restoration to favor. So we are standing in that ministry of reconciliation, but how? By getting on our knees, by praying for people, by standing in the gap, by being that intercessor that is needed at that moment. You know, sometimes I don't know what somebody needs. All I know is that God says, hey, pray for Johnny. I don't know Johnny, but what am I supposed to do? Pray for Johnny. Look at Ananias. and Paul, Paul, Paul was blind. And then what God said, go and see him and such and such. And he went, he went and he prayed for him. At first he didn't want to go, but God, do you know who he is? So we have to learn to listen to the voice of God when we pray, when we stand on the gap for somebody else, but because we're going to be the ministry of reconciliation. Can I get out of that ministry? No. He says that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat it to you. It is a spiritual warfare. There is a fight. Somebody don't want you to get saved. Somebody don't want for somebody to get healed. Somebody don't want your kid out of drugs. Somebody don't want uh, whatever it is, the stealing going on. Somebody don't want that to stop. And that is a warfare. Okay? But uh, look at Colossians. I mean, 2 Corinthians says, For though we walk in the flesh... So, but you might say, well, you know, it's a warfare. I don't know. I'm a little scared of warfare. I didn't go to the war because of that. But it says for the weapons of our warfare. Warfare means strategy. That's what the word warfare stands for. It's a military word where strategy comes from. So it says for the weapons of our warfare. Okay. Oh, excuse me. Uh, Oops. I miss it. Uh, are Not carnal, but they are mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, the weapons of our warfare. So I have a confidence that when I'm going to stand and pray for somebody, I have a confidence that I am prepared, that this is a spiritual battle, but that I have the weapons that I need to pull them out of whatever they need to be pulled. If it's from drug, from alcohol, prostitution, from just being saved, because there's some great people that are good people, but they need to be born again. Because good people might not make it to heaven. We need good and safe asking Jesus into their heart to be in heaven. Because if they don't ask Jesus into their heart and they're good, they're not going to make it. There's no shortcuts to heaven. Okay? So he says, for the ones of our warfare, they're mighty. Mighty means come from the word dunamite. They're powerful. The weapons that I have, they're powerful. Okay? And they're powerful. Then it says in here, not this regard to the pulling down of strongholds. You know, it says pulling down strongholds. Strongholds are like castles. It starts with a, well, I don't like to I don't like to speak in front of people. And you keep putting that barrier. And eventually that thought starts to become a stronghold. And it creates a castle. And somebody says, well, I need you to to read this for me on Sunday. Oh, oh no, I can't read that. I can do that. Because there's a stronghold. But it says that our weapons, they're, through God, they're mighty through God. Outside of God, my weapons are no good. But through God, to so the pulling down. And pulling down is uh, the strongholds. Pulling down is demolition. It demolishes. You know that building that is the best thing to say, but that building in Miami that just collapsed. That's what happens. Because the weapons of our warfare, they're mighty through God. And they pull down, they demolish all those strongholds. Then He says, casting down, bringing down every imagination. Imagination is good. God gave it to us. But if it's a wrong imagination, the wrong thing that we're pondering, how can I, how can I get paid better? Well, if I make sure I show that that person don't work good, they will promote me. Well, that will be an imagination and not a good one. OK, he says, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, anything that comes to my mind that is against the knowledge of God, I have the ability to pull it down, to demolish that. OK, I'm bringing into captivity every thought, every purpose that is contrary to the word of God. And then he says to the obedience, to the hearkening, to the compliance and the submission of God. Anything the devil puts on your mind, don't entertain him because those are the weapons of your warfare. Okay, now I'm gonna go ahead since we are talking about a warfare. I am going very quickly, very quickly because I don't got time. And I have one more scripture. Okay, so since we're talking about warfare, I told you that the weapons of our warfare, they're mighty, they're mighty, they're powerful through God. So they're pulling down of strongholds. Okay. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 6, okay? And 11, chapter 6, 11, verses 11 through 18, okay? This is the weapons of my warfare. This is what gives me the ability to take that thought, cast it down, and demolish it. It's because of the weapons, my armor, the armor of God. It says in here, put on, meaning you have to put it. God's not going to come and say, honey, you're going out. Put on the armor. No, nah, you got to make that decision. You've got to take that armor, put it on. Put on the whole armor of God. Uh, but I don't know about that thing, you know, the breastplate. I don't know about the fish shot with the preparation. You may not have to go and see people. I don't know. Nah, it says in here, put on the whole armor of God. The purpose is. That you may be able to stand, to stand against the wiles, the trickery of the devil. Okay? He says, but we're not wrestling. This fight, this intercession we're going to do because really all this, if I don't have my armor, I pretty much shouldn't be doing too much of my spiritual warfare. And you're going to see why in a second. He says, "Uh, stand there for having your loins. No, I skip a verse, verse uh, 12. Not against flesh and blood, but it's against principality, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And I'm not trying to exalt the devil because we all know that we're more than what? We're more than conquerors through him. We know that the devil is under who? Under our feet, right? But we want to keep him where? Under our feet. So if I want to keep him under my feet. I got to make sure that I have my armor at all times. That I put it on. I don't trust. Well, you know, uh, oh, you know, Nikki has the armor. Natalie has the armor. I can stand by them. It's not by grandfathering you like they do. No, you have to put on that armor so you can go in battle, not for yourself but for others. Okay? Then he says in here, wherefore take the whole armor that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And after you've done it all, you stand and you smile. He says, stand. And when you go in the Greek, that word stand means that you're standing. You know, you have to realize Paul wrote this, and he was in chains for a long time. And all he did was look at that Roman soldier. Wow. He's ready for battle. He's ready for the warfare. I look at him from top to bottom, and he paralleled that to our armor. So when he says stand, he says, I, but I stand like this. now, baby, stand, stand up, stand tall. If you look arrogant, well, so be it. They don't know you then, but stand tall. I'm proud. Just says, stand there for having your loins geared about with truth. This speaks of the word of God. The word of God goes on our loins. Oops, I better hurry up. And <laughs> with truth. Okay, this is the word of God, that logos, this, this in here, that is my loins. My loins are the word of God. I can pull out from here anything I need, anytime. It's always, 24-7, better than Walmart, okay? says, with your loins scared with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, the right standing with God. I've got to know the word if I'm going to go to battle, and I've got to know that I have the breastplate of righteousness. I'm in mean, right standing with God. Oh, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Then it goes on. He says, and your feet are shut with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That is the peace. Shalom, that peace. The peace that only God can give us. The peace in the middle of the storm. And not like the peace in the middle in the eye of the hurricane. It's a better peace than that one. Okay? It says in here, that peace. There's two kinds of peace. The peace with God that we receive in salvation, Romans 5.1. And then the peace, uh, it says God's keeping peace. That peace that I walk and I know that greater is he that is in me, than he that is in the world. That though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, oh, I know. I know he's right there with me, but I just passed through. I don't want to get stuck in there. But that's the peace. The peace when everything is breaking around me. I got that peace. When my grandson uh, passed away, it was horrible in the flesh of my mind, but I had the word. I could remember that I know where he's going. I know who he is. I know he's in heaven. I don't have. He's just in my future. So it's hard. And, And, you know, at that moment you say, well, I told that to everybody that lost somebody, but, Lord, it's so hard to now take it myself and apply it to me and realize, yes, he is in my future. But anyway, moving on. Then it says, uh, above all, above all, taking the shield of faith. And the above all doesn't mean that it's over all the other pieces. The Roman soldier has these big uh, shields that were square, big. And above all means that it could cover them all the way when they stand. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The shield was really special. That shield, they take it and they will put, first of all, they have layers and layers of leather, the skin, layers. And what they did is they will put oil. They rub oil on that, on that shield every morning. The soldier will come in here, wanted that leather to get so old that it will crack or it will cease life from the field. And that's your life when you step out of here is that shield had leather and it has that oil, the anointing. You need to be anointed every morning with that oil from the Holy Spirit. And then it says, and then once they take it, it says to quench all the fire darts. What happens is when they will go to battle, that's just before, they would take that big shield and they will dump it in the water, buckets of water, to be soaking wet. Because these darts, it says they were arrows. And the arrows, when they shoot and you look, oh, it's just an arrow. But when it hits you, it has certain combusting some materials that will blow up and become fire. So that's why it says that it will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And you know, I know those fiery darts. You know, when somebody comes and, and says something mean to you, that's a fiery dart. When somebody comes worse than that and tells you about your kid, ooh, the mama bear wants to come out, that's a fiery dart. You know, when somebody wants to... <laughs> Do other things to you, and you just like, you know, you got to be kidding. You really think so? Oh, well, you just look a little more chubby. I didn't know you had lost. That's a fire dart. It could break a lot of stuff. Anyway, then it says in here, I'm taking the helmet of salvation. My gosh, if I don't know my salvation, I lost it all. I have to know my salvation, not just being saved. Salvation, deliverance, healing. All those things is what salvation encompasses. It's not just, you know, I got saved, I'm going to heaven. No. It means my deliverance for whatever I needed, deliverance. It means healing for whatever I needed, healing. It encompasses so much more. And I don't want to take much more time. Then he says, and how many salvation? And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that's one of my favorites, the sword of the spirit. You know, the Roman soldiers have different types of swords and all these things, and I'm not going to get on them today. But anyway, that's, that, it says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That word, that word, word, in the Greek means the rema, word of God. The word is the logos, which is this. The rema is when I'm reading in here. And all of a sudden, you know, he says, oh, "It says that by his stripes I am healed." So you have to realize all the pieces are linked together. So I can just now. Some people said that they were missing one part. You know, they needed one more piece. The Roman soldier had the lances because they have all that equipment. I don't know how they carry that stuff, but then they had the lances. Now the lances goes to our next verse, 18. Praying always. When do you pray? Always. Does that mean that I skip word to pray? No. It means that you are in an attitude of prayer every second of your life. If God speaks to me, I've got to listen. Because if God's going to give me a rhema, that means I'm listening to him all the time. He can speak to me that word that I need. Then he says, all prayer supplications in the spirit. And then watching with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints. Oh, praise God. You put that armor. And now I know I'm ready for intercessory prayer. Bring it on, devil. I'm no match for you because I know who won. I know I am the one who won. I know I am the one that has the victory, right? Because I know who wrote the book and I know the ending of the book. Duplications in the Spirit. In John 16, 13, it says, "Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. It's important that we listen to the Holy Spirit. I remember Dr. Someral used to say a lot that in the last days, our lives were going to depend on listening to the Holy Spirit. I remember sitting, he would say, you have to listen. Because he's going to tell you, move to the right. And when you look, something happening there. Move to the left. Go ahead. We have to listen to that. He will show us things to come. When I am in intercessory praying, praying for somebody, or just praying, right here, I have an example. He says in Acts eleven twenty seven 27 through 29. We have the prophet Agabus. He showed up within a, they had a lot of prophets. And he came in and he warned them of a famine that was coming. And do you think God is going to show you something for you to be afraid? Oh, my God. You know, I just saw in this, this, this scene, I just saw somebody having a car accident. Oh, my God. Why do you think God showed you that? Because he knows you're going to intercede. You're going to pray. You're going to take the plan of the enemy and you're going to move it and you're going to nullify it. Or at least you're going to lessen it a whole bunch more. That's why God will show us things to come. So we can then go in that prayer closet and we can stand in the gap for somebody. Sometimes it's just a word. Sometimes he will actually show you things. I haven't seen, well, I do have seen things. He says, note, your armor is in relationship to your relationship with God. So my armor is only going to be as strong as my relationship with God is. Meaning, remember I told you the belt, that word of God is where everything in that armor hinges on. The big shield, I don't know how, don't ask me. They must be doing a lot of uh, gyms over there. But the uh, the shield will will be hanging on that. Uh, The sword will go on the other one. Everything was linked to that. To that uh, word of God, that belt, and that belt, you know, if you notice, it was protecting them, but it was protecting that area of reproduction, isn't that area here where we protect? That's what it was protecting us from multiplying, from bringing others into the kingdom of God as we pray. But we need the word of God. I need to know what God has promised so I can pray for you because I, I could have all my heart and oh, I love Him so much as a person, I feel so bad, but if I don't have the word of God. Might as well don't have anything, because I can't pray for you something specific if I don't have this is what God says. When we go to battle, we have to know the word. We have to have the scriptures. Uh, and now, you might say, okay, I have this whole armor. It's mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I got all these things. But you're still not convinced? I'll give you one more. Acts chapter 1 in verse 8. But ye shall receive what? Power, okay? What power is that one? That's the Greek word dynamite. That's where the dynamite comes from. So God is giving you miracle working power, power that moves. He says the power after. There's a condition. It comes after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The amplify says, but you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might. I like that one. Okay. Uh, Isaiah 66 in closing. Okay? So, you are called, like it or not, to stand in the gap. You are to be an intercessor. And I know there's some people who feel like calling to intercede more than others. And you might not, but that doesn't exempt you from the fact that you need to pray. And I'm talking to myself. I'm number one, so I'm pointing all my fingers at myself. Sunday mornings we have prayer. I haven't been in prayer probably since last year. I haven't been here. I have prayed, but I haven't prayed enough. Uh, Usually, I don't even know how many people come anymore. We have prayer. And if you say, well, I just don't like that stuff of going praying with the people. It's so early. Well, you can take turns with your Why? One day you keep the kiddos. I mean, there's a way. When you want something, there's a way. I remember going to church with my two girls a single mom. Yeah, the two, three, four. Well, let's go out. I will sit under the pews while I pray in the morning. Uh, I remember Myrna. When Myrna was born, She, I used to go at 6 o'clock. I wasn't working. 6 o'clock in the morning, I will carry my kiddo, put in a seat sleep there while I pray. So there's a way. There's always a way. God will make a way. When you have a desire, a burning desire and a passion in your heart to do, he will make a way for you. But we've got to go back to prayer. We've got to back to intercede, not just prayer. I'm talking about intercession. I don't want for God to have brought us this far and then, you know, how are we going to continue? Because we can't live like the people in the desert with the old manna. When the manna was gone, they had to move on to something. I want to keep moving. I'm excited what God is doing. So I'm speaking to myself too. And I don't have any little kiddos now. Out of the six, they're all gone. Now it's grandkids, so they're not home. So I need to get myself here too. But we need to pray. If you can come, then pray at home. Pray, intercede. The more you do it, the more you will hear the voice of God. Because the Holy Spirit will speak to you. He will guide you. He will tell you about the people that need prayer. Somebody. You don't have to know names. I don't need to know names to pray. All I need to have is a heart of compassion. Be prepared. Have my full armor. Know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And pray and stand in the gap. He says in Isaiah 66, who hath heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. He says in Hebrews 12, But you are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and in an innumerable company of angels. If Zion travailed. Zion is the church. If we travail, children will be born. So I want to leave you with that word. Self-reflection today. I did mine. And I'm telling you. Oops, I messed up. But search yourself. You don't have to tell me. Nobody needs to know your business. It's between you and God. But not only. starting your family. Yes, absolutely. Stand in the gap for your children, for your family, your spouse. But then comes the church. That's God's heartbeat. The church is his heartbeat. And we need to stand in the gap. Not because we want to have a church church full of people, but because that is God's harvest, that the soul, that none should perish, and that all will come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ.
0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.